I pray that we remember that His grace is enough. That He's showered us with uh, His Word and has kept us and shaped us, molded us into His image. He's been very gracious to us. And that is enough. In a, in a world where we just want more and more, we, we feel like we never have enough because we look at the, the folks next door across the street or whatever it is, the people on television, and we think we need more than, than what God has given, but we do have enough, especially when it comes to his grace. His grace is sufficient. It is enough. But even through all this, I don't know about you, but life is hard. Isn't it? Life is tough. That's why we need these reminders. That's why we need to come and to gather together as a body of believers. It's okay to be here virtually, but if you could be here physically, man, and be in the room and and to be able to be with brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can love on and encourage one another, it's just that much more meaningful glad we have the technology to be able to do it, but it just doesn't replace, ultimately, being in person with the people of God. Because when times get rough, man, you just, you just need somebody. You need somebody there who's going to be able to listen. And sometimes it's just to, to, to just that, to listen. Or maybe it's to offer a hug. Sometimes it's just a, a word of encouragement. And when we have technology, we get so used to it that we just get further and further away from that. And we feel alone and isolated. We feel like nobody is there for us. Nobody understands. But if nothing else, we know the Lord is there for us. When times get rough. But God has also put body of believers uh, here in our midst so that we can encourage one another, you know, Life is, is such a struggle, and we look out into the world and, and all the, the suffering that's, that's happening and taking place. You know, the, the world is filled with pain and, and suffering. Yesterday was my dad's birthday, and I got to talk with him a little bit. And um, as most of our conversations do, it tended towards God and Scripture. And he mentioned that this world is wicked, and it is. The world is crazy. And you, you might think, well, uh, things are getting worse. But if you, if you read your Bible, <laughs> you know it's been pretty bad since pretty much the very beginning. And so I don't, I don't know whether if there's a measure on how bad things are, but just we can all agree that things are bad. We've got wars. We've got the abuse of women and, and children. You know, and we can barely have conversations anymore because people are changing the definitions of words. So we can't even have normal conversations. The economy is in the toilet. The government leaders continue to just run amok. And here we are just trying to be good people. We're just trying to make it day by day and do the best we can. But still get bombarded by all these things that are happening in the world or even in our own families. Just 
uh, chaos and, and madness and, and disruption. It makes us beg the question, well, why does bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Unfortunately, as finite human beings, we're not omniscient, we're not all-knowing, we just can't um, expect to fully understand all of God's ways and his purposes. It's just not possible. Our, our brains won't fit the magnitude of God, and so we just can't understand. But when it comes to suffering, when we think about it, especially, again, if you've read any parts of the Bible before, like Job is the poster child, isn't he, for suffering. When we think about suffering, especially as a Christian, many of us will think of Job because God allowed bad things to happen to him. Even though Job didn't understand, what did he do? He chose to endure through those and trust God. Ultimately, when his life was falling apart, where he literally lost everything and almost lost his life. That's the one thing God said, told Satan that you can't do is take his life. But he was on the verge. But still, he chose to remember who God is. He chose to endure through all of that suffering. He knew that God was good and he continued to trust him, even though his life was in complete shambles. Man, I can't imagine being in his position and the depths that he had to endure. But he knew what was important. He knew what was right. You know, we asked the question of why bad things happen to good people, but the harsh reality is that none of us are good. I'm sorry to break the news to you. I I love all of you, and I appreciate each and every one of you, but none of us including myself, or definitely not myself. None of us are good. The reality is that all of us are tainted with sin and we tend to compromise God's standard. Our flesh, our sinful flesh pulls us in the one direction and God's standard is diametrically opposed to that. We're we're going in the wrong direction. You guys don't look like you believe me. Let's let's look at the scripture. Class, class, I can speak this morning. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7 and 20. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Or maybe Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 1 John 1 and 18. Listen to this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from everybody else in the room, but I, you're not going to hide it from God. So let's not deceive ourselves and say that we don't have any sin. It's a, it's a reality. We all feel the effects and weight of sin in our lives. And sometimes it's because of our own personal sin, while other times it's because of other people's sin and their choices as well. Brothers and sisters, we've got to remember that we live in a fallen world. And because of this, because we live in this fallen world, we suffer the effects of injustice, 
and, and suffering, all these things that come down on us because of the root of sin. This morning's text is about a suffering church. But not only that, we also get to see the guidance that Christ himself gives them. I hope that it encourages not only the church of Smyrna, what we're talking about today, but it encourages us here today at First Baptist Bolingbrook. Because I don't know where you are today. I don't know what measure of suffering you're currently enduring, but his grace is enough. His grace is sufficient. And just like Job, I pray and I hope that we would understand who God is and that we would endure. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word. We'll be in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2 will start here in verse 8. And here God's Word reads, Write to the angel of the church in Smyrna, Thus says the first and the last, the one who was dead and came to life. I know your affliction and poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison to test you. And you will experience affliction for 10 days, but be faithful to the point of death, and I will give you a crown of life. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will never be harmed by the second death. Won't you pray with me? Father, help us here today. Help us to just to lay bare all the things that we're struggling with today. Help us to, to bring them up and not just so that we can dwell on them, but we can let go of it and lay them at your feet right here, right now. That we would take all the burdens that we're carrying, all the suffering, the pain that we feel and all the apprehension that we feel about what's happening in our lives and what's happening in the world. Help us today to put our trust in you and lay all these cares and worries to the side and lay them at the throne of grace. Help us today to look to you and be encouraged by who you are and what you've done for us, what you've done for your people in the past and, and look forward to what you would do for us in the future. Help us to leave this place on high because of who you are. Help us to leave here knowing that we can have hope in the midst of hopelessness. Not so that we can have it for our own, but we will go out and share this good news with those who need to hear it. Speak to us today through your word, Father. Bless these, your people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we have the Church of Smyrna. They're an important seaport that's about 25 miles uh, north of Ephesus, we, we, we went through the letter to Ephesus last week in the opening verses of chapter 2 in, in the book of Revelation. Um, so here's, uh, we have this church that Paul helped to establish during his 
own journeys. The city is widely known uh, for uh, an early church bishop named Polycarp. That might that name might be familiar to you. And he was a disciple of John, who was martyred around 150 A.D. This church here was they were physically poor, but they were spiritually rich. And that in alone itself should be encouraging to us. We chase after the almighty dollar, but I tell you what, you can have all the money in the bank and be spiritually poor and destitute, and it means nothing. At least if you're spiritually rich and physically rich, you can have a purpose for that money. And you can bless other people with it. But even if you're physically poor like they were in Smyrna, you know, hopefully that we will be spiritually rich in the same way. We have these people, the enemy is, is dastardly. They have these people in, in Smyrna and people are coming after them. It says they were being slandered. And according to various commentaries, this, this slander was numerous. They were saying all kinds of things about the followers of Christ. Primarily, uh, they probably told the, the Roman authorities that these Christians put another person above Caesar. And they were right. Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. You know, we're not going to worship this Caesar guy. No, we're going to worship our God. We're going to worship our Savior. So, of course, they were going out. But to add to that, you know, these folks were saying that not only are they worshiping somebody other than Caesar, but they're being rebellious and they're they're dangerous. They're trying to carouse everybody up and, and, and have a revolt. They even went so far as, hey, they practiced this thing called the, the Lord's Supper, and they practiced cannibalism, eating this man's body and drinking his blood. Oh, man. They were going at them, trying to get this thing to stop. They thought they were serving God, these people. But uh, uh, they, they, they thought they were doing the right thing. But in actuality, they had joined the pagans. They joined them in putting Christians to death in order to stop the Christian faith from spreading. They had been deceived by Satan. Isn't that scary? When you think you're doing the right thing, you're, you, you, you got these voices in your head like, is this God? Is this Satan? And, and they go and they have been deceived by the evil one and to do this work in order to destroy the Christians. We also saw this with the the accusations against Jesus as well. In John 8 and 44, it says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. That's why we got to know God. We got to know the scripture. And let me tell you something. I mean, we get here, we come to church, we come to worship to get equipped, but it's not enough. We're here an hour a week. You got to be, you got to have your nose in the scripture the rest of the week. There's 168 hours in the week. We're here for one of them. You got to go and get to know Jesus on your own. You got to read the scripture. 
How are you going to discern between the Satan and God? How are you going to know the difference between the evil one and the one that, that created everything? If you don't know him, if you're not in the scripture. These slanderers here in the text, they belong to the synagogue of Satan. That's deep. They are worshiping Satan. They are doing his evil work, doing his duty on his behalf. But unfortunately, because of what they were doing or what they were going through, the church of Smyrna would be imprisoned and they received death threats. So if, that, if the slander wasn't enough, if all these other things weren't enough, they would be imprisoned and some of them would even be put to death or at least they were receiving death threats. You know, suffering has a way of reminding us of what's really important in life. I talked to a guy the other day and um, he got some bad health news. He thought everything was okay and went to the doctor for something unrelated and they found a litany of other things wrong with him. And he told me, he said, I'm, I'm thinking differently now. Not only about how I'm living my life, but um, what I'm here for. What's next? His mortality view, and he started to think about, man, there's more than what I've been given credit for. I really need to get my stuff together. You know, he was, he's physically rich, but spiritually poor. He started to have that conversation with himself, like, what do I need to do? How do I need to get this straight? That's what suffering does to us. It forces us to radically depend on God, and it brings about our obedience to his will. There was a TV show back in the day called Scare Straight. It's kind of the opposite of it. Like, it would take these teens into jails and, and, and show them the worst of the worst. And so that if they see how bad it is, maybe they will go out and change their lives and do something good. I don't know how well that, and it's not on, on TV anymore. I don't know how well they did statistically. But when you think about how good God is and what he's done for us, so this is very opposite. We don't, we don't follow God because we're, we're, we just don't want to go to hell. No. We follow him because of how good he's been to us. We love God because he loved us first. All the things that he's done for us, how he's sustained us over the years, and he's, he's given us all the things that we don't deserve. How could you not love him back and follow him? The byproduct of that, yeah, we get to spend forever and eternity with him instead of being in eternal damnation. So here we are looking through this and thinking about it. But in order to go through these trials and tribulations, we really need to know God. We really need to know God and his heart. We need to understand that our, uh, our suffering in, in light of his love. We don't understand why we're in the position that we're in and how we, we get through it and know that we serve a God that loves us and is there with us. 
few weeks ago, we talked about what it means to be blessed, and blessing isn't always a measure of success as we see it here in the world. Just because things don't go your way and, and you don't have all the things that you want, it's not really a measure of God's love. It's not how this works. As we think about Christ's love for us, we need to remember Christ's ultimate suffering. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. That's the kind of God we serve. When, when I talked about us earlier being because of technology that we're, we're drawing away from one another, isolating ourselves, and we tend to feel like nobody is there for us. Nobody understands. Jesus understands. Jesus knows. Tempted in every way, but did not sin. He knew what it, it felt like to be isolated and alone. He knew it, knew what it felt like for folks not to understand him. He knew what it felt like to be slandered and persecuted. You're not alone in this. Billy Graham is quoted as saying, suffering has a mysterious unknown component. And from an earthly perspective, things might not always make sense or even seem fair. While Smyrna faces these sufferings, we will read later about how Philadelphia, they go through some similar suffering, but yet they're delivered. Or consider in the book of Acts when John was executed, but Peter was released. Acts 12 and 2 says, and he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. When we saw that it pleased the Jews... He proceeded to arrest Peter too during the festival of unleavened bread. And after the arrest, he put him in prison and assigned four squads of four soldiers, each to guard them, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying fervently to God for him. When Herod was about to bring him out for trial, that very night, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers while his sentries in the front of the door guarded the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and the light shone in the cell, striking Peter on the side. He woke him up and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. It's amazing what happened. It's this miracle that took place while he's there in prison. They had him guarded. They had it tight. And he was able to get out. God provided a way of escape. While James got executed. That's not fair, is it? Oh, man, when you look at that, and like, yeah, I mean, praise God for Peter. They, they were, I mean, the folks was praying for him, and they were praying so hard for him delivered. But even when he went to the door, they were like, Are you, is that really Peter? I mean, we're praying for him to be delivered, but I got the sense like they didn't really expect him to show up. But when we look at things, we don't understand God's ways. We don't understand what his purposes are. We don't understand what's, what's happening. We see through the text that some believers 
are miraculously released while others died. Hebrews 11 and 35, it says women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people are tortured, not accepting release, so they might gain a better resurrection. Corey Tim Boone is an author of the book of the, called The Hiding Place. And in this book, she tells the story of her and her family while they were imprisoned in a concentration camp. It tells about her story about how she managed to uh, find her hope in God and trust in him in everything. But even though she herself survived the Nazi prison, her sister died there. Life ain't fear. We definitely can't explain the nature of suffering or why some suffer more than others, but what we do know is that we can endure. We can endure whatever comes our way through the strength that is only supplied by Christ himself. If nothing else, that's where we can, we can have our mind fixed That's the things that we can be thinking and meditating on. Regardless of where you are today and what you're going through, know that you can endure whatever the outcome might be because of the strength that Christ provides. I'm not saying it's going to be comfortable. It's definitely probably not going to be fun. But his grace is enough. It is sufficient. You know, here in the U.S. and in Bolingbroke, there's not much chance that we'll be asked to give up our lives for the sake of Christ. That's grace. That's mercy. Let's not take that for granted. However, it's something that we should be prepared for. We should be prepared to give our all, everything that we are, for Christ. We should have our minds and just be ready. It might not never come, but be ready. Even if we're not challenged to give up our lives, we're certainly challenged to give up our comfort. You know, Christians can't move through the world like we used to years ago our thoughts and our beliefs and and who we follow is certainly under attack. And so we need to be prepared for that as well. Following Christ might require us to look, think, and act different. I said might, but it it absolutely does require us to to be different, to set apart, to sanctify, right? It means to be set apart. Let's remember what a disciple of Christ looks like. Look at Mark 8 and 34. He was calling the crowd along with his disciples. He said to them, if anyone wants to follow me, pay attention here. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. We don't want to hear this these days. We, we want to follow our own measure and do our own things. We, we want to call ourselves a Christian and still live like the world. And people don't want to hear this language. You, would you, 
No, I want to love myself. I want to take care of myself and have this self-love and self-care and all this kind of stuff. The text says, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. The verse 35, it says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. We want to get this twisted too. People want to talk about the persecution that they're experiencing in this world, but it's because you're doing dumb stuff. It's not because of the sake of the gospel. It's not because of who Christ is. You out doing your own thing and you talk about some, no, that's not persecution. Well, whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me, in my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son, the son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Man, that's some hard truths we need today. Wow. When we face challenges, persecution or tribulation, just know that when we go through those things, what's, what's happening when you endure, when you have your trust in Christ, what's happening is you're getting strengthened for the future. I don't know if you've seen any metals getting made or like a sore getting created and refined, right? I mean, you've got to go put that, that metal in the fire. And, and not just that, in order to, to make sure you mold it into place, you see these, these folks with the metal and they're just whacking at it, going uh, uh, on and on and on. They're not only going through the fire, but going through all of the pounding and the shaping and the molding. It's, it's a hard process. But the outcome, the end result of that metal getting formed and going through that refinement process, man, it's beautiful. Something that you can hold up and see your reflection in that looks pristine. Man, y'all are not hearing me today. Man, it's not easy to go through that refinement, but the end results, the outcome that we get from going through that, for enduring, for loving our Savior, is pristine. Oh, when we remain faithful in the face of all the adversities that we, we see, Jesus promises a greater reward than anything our enemy can do to us. That's what we have to look forward to. Brothers and sisters, as we're faced with challenges in this world, it's important to remind ourselves that this world is not the end. This is not all that there is. There is more to come. There is more for us to be looking forward to. As Christ followers, we need to have an eternal perspective. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, so we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this, check this out, this light momentary affliction, 
This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I can go on that just alone. I'm ready. We will have a glorious reward one day. We got something to look forward to, so don't give up. Don't give up. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. But God is going to use it for your good and for his glory. Don't give up. Also, when bad things happen, we need to remember that God is in control and he will use those things, just as I mentioned, for his good. Romans 8 and 28, and we all know that those who love God, uh, uh, all things will work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Or it reminds me of Genesis chapter 50, uh, of, uh, verses 19 through 21. Uh, Joseph said to, to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. Remember that Joseph had been sold into slavery. They, they tried to get rid of him, and he went through uh, tons of different things. But he was put in a place of power so that he can later help not only his family, but folks from all around. When the famine came, he was able to help. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Man, what an opportunity he had to keep his mind focused on God and his purpose so that he could be a blessing to others like God was a blessing to him. Bad things happen if you... The bad things happen, but, but certainly if you endure and keep your trust in him, you will be prepared and equipped to serve and love God more. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3 says, Blessed be the God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Man, it's comfort after comfort after comfort. It's amazing. So that I, not only I can be comforted, I can take that comfort and give somebody else, they can be comforted with a comfort with which we are all ourselves are comforted by God. For we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Don't give up. Lastly, we'll do well to remember that even though bad things happen to us, the worst thing that can happen actually happened to the best person who walked this earth. Our Lord Jesus the Christ was the one, the only one who was truly righteous. And for that, he suffered more than we can ever imagine. 1 Peter uh, 2 and 20 says, For what credit is it, is it if we 
if you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of, of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. If we're a Christian, if we follow Christ, we should do like Christ. We should be like Christ. You know, as we read through the book of Revelation, the benefit is that it continues to offer us a heavenly perspective on our situations in a way that reverses what you might expect. We want to dwell and think about everything that is going wrong right now, right here. And it takes our mind off of what really matters. And here we are, we get to be brought back to understand this is, this is only a moment. This, this is only a light affliction. There's more to come. And even though the believers of Smyrna, they were affected and they were impoverished, Jesus says that the reality for them is the opposite. They were spiritually rich. Even though their bank accounts were low from God's perspective, they had everything that they needed. They were rich. And the only thing that matters for them, the only thing that matters for us is standing for God. It's having our full trust in Christ. Christ is the one that has the final word on everything that there is. And that's where our minds should be. Everything that we have, everything that we are, should be in him. So, brother and sister, I hope that encourages you here today. As we lead into the Lord's Supper, that you have this on your mind, that we'd be thinking about the ultimate sacrifice that Christ had for us, his ultimate sacrifice for each and every one of you on the cross. He died so that you can have life. And regardless of what you're going through today, I don't want to minimize any challenges, any frustration, affliction, whatever it may be. Just know that it's momentary. As you go through this storm, know that the Lord is there with you. He's not left you. He's placed people around you that care and love for you to, to walk with you in that situation or man, maybe even to hold you up when you can't stand. He's not left you where you are. This refining process that you're currently going through, he's going to bring you out on the other side so that he can get the glory. So you might have a, a testimony about what God has done. You can take that comfort that he's given. You can use that comfort and, and also give it to somebody else who needs it as well.
I'll be up here to pray with you if you uh, need need prayer, and um, then we'll go into the Lord's Supper. Uh, won't you pray with me? Oh, Lord, we need you. Every hour we need you. Thank you for this reminder that you love and care for your people. And even though we're, we might be going through various things in our lives, that you are faithful. Help us not only to remember that, but to, to lean on that. To know that we can be com- totally and completely vulnerable with you and trust you just to, to handle it. Take it from us. But in the midst of it, that, that we, we know that you're going through uh, the struggles with us, that you continue to, to carry us through it, but also help us to be mindful of what it is that we're learning through this. How is it that we're being equipped? How is it that, that we can learn from it and be able to serve you better on the other side? Who is it that we can share this testimony with that also might be encouraged? Father, thank you so much for loving us enough that you would be with us, that you would still teach us, that you would still speak to us. And ultimately, thank you for sending your son, paying the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf so that we can have a relationship with you, that we might know you and be able to spend forever with you. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.